Welcome to First Name Basis, where we chat with special guests, industry leaders, and tribal scale employees to have an authentic but informal conversation on a variety of relevant tech and innovation topics. I'm Heather Page, Chief of Staff at Tribal Scale, and I'm chatting with Michelle Abs, founder and CEO of Web3 Equity. Michelle, I'll pass it to you to introduce yourself. Wonderful. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, it's lovely to be here. So yes, as uh, the introduction states, uh, I am the founder and CEO of Web3 Equity, which is an educational and onboarding community and company. We are in place to ensure that Web3 is gender equitable. And we believe we can do that by onboarding more women to engage in Web3 and blockchain technology, and also making sure that our male allies are really clear on their role and how they can best, um, you know, be an allyship to that mission of achieving gender equity in Web3. Sounds awesome. Can you tell us more about your journey into Web3, starting your own company into this space and, and what kind of inspired you to go down this path? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I actually started my career as an educator. I taught fifth grade um, and I, I was a teacher for a while. And then I trained other teachers how to be teachers. Um, and so I've always had this, uh, you know, sort of educational and adult learning background. Uh, I transitioned then to, to technology. I worked for an ed tech startup for a while. And um, in that startup, you know, experienced just the some of the gendered nuances in startup companies. Um, and so was really, you know, inspired to, to make sure to raise awareness around that. And, and I joined um, Babson College and started running their accelerator, uh, which was for female founders. And the, you know, goal of that accelerator was to help put more venture capital dollars in the hands of women. So, you know, we know that female founders get less than 3% of venture capital annually. Um, that number has stayed around that same uh, metric for the past uh, three years. It has not, you know, uh, increased at all. And so, you know, I was really focused on gender um, issues in tech and entrepreneurship within that role. Uh, and then I took a more ecosystem level role and, you know, was heading up a tech community for a real estate developer down in Miami. Um, but during pandemic, you know, we we had to think a little differently around how we were engaging the community. Um, so we, you know, were pivoted to an event strategy once, you know, we opened up sort of post-COVID. And at that time, we were seeing this, you know, great energy and emergence of interest in NFTs. And so I proposed that that we host a conference on the topic of NFTs during Art Basel in Miami. Um, so we knew there was already, you know, folks who would fly in to, to experience the art and culture of, you know, what Art Basel offers. So we said, this could be a great opportunity to, you know, overlay the tech aspect of art, you know, through NFTs. Mm -hmm. And that's really what started this whole Web3 journey for me was, you know, planning and executing that conference. Awesome. Wow. That's a great story. Very interesting. Uh, what inspired you to kind of take you know, this Web3 journey in a gender equity specific direction? Yeah. So I think, you know, the stat that I shared earlier around that, you know, VC funding number being less than 3%, that, you know, a lot of the antecedents of that number started from the creation of the venture capital model 
which you know comes from the 1960s, 1970s um, from Silicon Valley. And truly, that was a group of you know 40 white men um, who, who said, hey, we have this need. And, and they sort of created this, this system and structure and rules. And it was a very monochromatic approach because you know, given the group of people um, and their particular experiences, right, they created a structure that that aligned to to them. And I think we have seen then over the past, you know, 40, 50 years, what that has done in terms of the disparity and the outcome. And it's a really hard system to break, right? And to, to fix mm-hmm. after it's been so ingrained for multiple decades. So I think the opportunity I see in Web3 is if we, from the inception point, from this moment where, you know, the infrastructure of blockchain technology and a lot of the innovations that we will use in the future for decades to come, if we use this moment right now and we have more female voices, more people of color, more folks from diverse backgrounds at the table creating that foundational infrastructure, I hope and I think that in decades in the future, we won't be trying to like undo the problems that may have been created from an inception point where you have a more, you know, sort of homogenous monochromatic um, group of people creating a set of rules. Yeah. It makes a ton of space or a ton of sense rather. That's uh, super interesting. When you talked a little bit earlier about your, the, your male allies and, you know, engaging with that community, in my experience, at least going to Miami, there's certainly a lot of men involved in that kind of web three crypto space. Although I've met some awesome women in this space, yourself included, but curious, like when you're talking about this and you're evangelizing on these topics, what kind of feedback questions or pushback do you get from those male allies? Do they kind of hear what you hear you say, what you've just said and go, Oh yeah, of course makes complete sense. I, I agree. Or is there a blind spot there that you kind of have to help them unlearn a bit? Yeah, I think that there are a lot of very well-intentioned allies. um, And I think some of them acknowledge that they have a lot of blind spots. Um, Some of them may not even be aware. You know, they don't know what they don't know. Uh, And so that's how we think about this allyship. Really, um, there's two core skills that we believe need to be developed more in men so that they can help move the needle and help leverage their positional power Right. Um, Given their their um, sort of the ways that society has accepted male leadership uh, more than female leadership over centuries. Right. So the two skills that we really work on uh, is one noticing gender imbalances. And what we find is that the more nuanced a gender imbalance is, the harder it is for our male allies to spot. Um, And depending on, you know, sort of their upbringing, their culture, some of those things that we might think are more overt examples of gender imbalances are still um, confusing for them to actually spot. Uh, So one is just being able to recognize those moments where there is an imbalance based on gender. And then the second is how to navigate speaking up or how to take action in those moments, especially when there's some risk associated, right? So the idea of a male ally is that they they are leveraging their positional power to, um, you know, really bring a group of people who have not always had positional power to the forefront without putting the set of actions on 
that group, right? So without putting it on women to go fix all of the problems, men are actually taking on some of the risk. They're taking action. They're speaking up in these moments. So um, I do find that some of them are really scared. You know, how how do I, if I'm out with all the bros and, you know, this topic mm-hmm. comes up and it makes me feel uncomfortable, how do I navigate that moment? There's some skill building that needs to happen there. Very interesting. That's fantastic. It's great work you guys are doing. Uh, do you see, I guess, accessibility and gender equity as barriers to Web3 adoption, sort of generally speaking? Like, are there components of Web3 and what it takes to be part of sort of building that from the ground level that is harder for people with different accessibility challenges or who are different genders? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. When you think about this on a global scale, right, I think sometimes I I am uh, guilty of getting myopically focused around the local environment. But when you really zoom out to a macro level and you think about, you know, uh, women's access to education and to technology and computers, um, we see massive pockets of this world where they just th- those things are not available. To, mm-hmm. to women. Um, you know, we don't have the same type of connectivity across the world that we do and that we're afforded, you know, more mostly in, in North America and in Canada and in the US. And so uh, I think that's, that's a, a real problem as we, again, think about this sort of infrastructure building moment. If we're leaving groups of people in this world behind um, and their voices and, you know, their ideas and their challenges and solutions aren't at the table in this moment, um, I think that, yeah, we we are going to create a future that then, you know, just increases the disparities. So, you know, we think a lot about connectivity um, and just women's access to education in different cultures in the world. Yeah, very interesting. Is, do you see the Web3 industry as being able to address this and make space for women, um, you know, generally, but also maybe in a unique way that is specific to Web3 and sort of its potential? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, what's inspiring about this moment is the more I see women understand the potential and opportunity of Web3 and then feel empowered to take action, then I see them get really creative around, you know, what they could do with Web3. So for example, um, you know, we launched this community very organically in Miami this past January. So we are, you know, a fledgling 10-month-old company and group. And someone who came to one of those first dinners who did not know anything about web chain, uh, sorry, blockchain or, you know, Web3 at all, um, now has launched their own community and uh, DAO focused on mothers and focused on the, you know, creating a, a token economy around shared, um, you know, duties and sort of sharing different um like assets around things that they've created from being a mom, you know, to I I created this plan for my kid's first birthday to here's the pickup schedule that we use um, and the route that we think about when we're driving our kids to school, these types of assets that then can be shared within the community. And there's a a tokenomic structure that rewards, um, you know, mothers for engaging and then also, you know, mothers for inspiring and, 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 you know, um, offering other solutions. So I I love seeing that come full circle, right? Is like, okay, we understand now what blockchain technology can unlock. We are empowered 
to create within that. And then we're actually creating solutions that, that, you know, are allowing to our gendered experience at times. And and this one in particular, that's around motherhood. Yeah, that's, wow, that's a great use case. That's awesome. Uh, then also kind of curious, maybe if you can talk about how Web3 equity provides education, empowerment, and engagement to solve this problem. So, you know, with your company, obviously uh, guided by this awesome mission, you know, what is sort of your approach to how you do uh, address these challenges? Yeah, I love to nerd out on this question because this is where the educator in me gets to really come through. So, um, you know, there's a lot of research around best strategies to deliver new information that helps people retain that information. Um, And so there's an entire, you know, uh, pyramid of the learning retention pyramid that showcases the different ways and modalities that people can learn and then the correlated percent of that information that they retain. So right now, I find a lot of ways that we offer learning is through maybe podcasts like this one, right? So this is Mm -hmm. verbal learning, which we see about 10 to 30% of that information is retained. And so our approach is to really focus on the end of the pyramid that has the 70%, 90% levels of retention. And we see that with hands-on learning. And we see that with folks who actually teach others. So that is where you get that 90% retention rate is when you are actually in the, the teacher seat and you are leading content. So what we do is we host monthly in-person events. Um, we always open you know, with, with something that grounds the entire community, but then we break out into small groups. So first people opt in to the you know, topic that aligns to where they are in their learning journey. And within that topic, we take a very hands-on approach. So if we're talking about digital wallets, for example, you may go in and create a wallet within that session. If we're talking about buying land in a metaverse, you're going to go in and experience the metaverse and look at the plots of land that you might buy. So it's very hands-on. But then we also engage our community members to lead sessions, right? Because Web3 is so early, there's still no real, you know, I have a PhD in this thing. And so I'm the only person who can who can teach on this topic. No, you know, there, there are as uh, a welcoming towards folks who maybe aren't at the same expert level. And we embrace that. So, you know, maybe groups that have um, dabbled in this and they're part of a DAO and they just kind of did their first two or three investments, then they might lead a session around how to, um, you know, participate in a DAO. And so they're actually deepening their learning by offering their insights in that, you know, discussion-oriented breakout session at our event. So, you know, we do this in-person learning really focused on highest retention rate learning styles with the community. I can see why you love this question. It's a great answer. Just so interesting how the way you guys bring that inclusive approach to like driving inclusivity across the industry. It's just awesome. Uh, you guys have released a the Tuttle Tribe NFT collection. Can you talk a little bit about that and its tribute to Julia Tuttle, the woman who founded Miami? Yes, yes. So we we love you know sharing this story because I find that not many folks know this. Um, you know, Miami is the only major U.S. city that was founded by a woman. Um, and I I often picture myself like back in 1892 and what it was like for Julia Tuttle then. I mean, at, at that point, we know, you know, women did not 
have the type of rights that we do today. Um, and so for Julia Tuttle to purchase the amount of acreage that she did uh, in Miami and to really establish this place as a city, that's a truly an example of shattering a glass ceiling in a way that you know inspires me so much. And I think that's the ethos of the community, right? Is is taking things that may seem impossible um, and and really stepping up uh, to the plate and and redefining what's possible. And that's what we think Julia Tuttle did. And, you know, that's what the collection is in honor of. And I think we're really lucky that we have a group of other leaders and politicians in Miami that support that. So we, our county mayor, Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava is our first female county mayor. Um, and so we love, you know, having her support of the collection. And then our city of Miami mayor, Francis Suarez, is an ally and, you know, very supportive of living up to Julia Tuttle's sort of founding vision. And so both of them have, you know, are holders of our NFT collection and, and really supportive of, you know, Julia Tuttle's legacy that, you know, our our local community is looking to live out. It's a great story. And I did not know that either. So very interesting. And I guess way to go, Julia Tuttle. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh, what is the significance of Miami to Web3 equity, but also to the Web3 community in general? I, I find when I talk to, you know, friends who live in New York or San Francisco or, you know, even, you know, other tech cities around the world, I don't, I find there's a bit of a, maybe an underappreciation of what's happening with the tech scene in Miami and in particular, how it's sort of intertwined with like that crypto Web3 kind of space. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so I think, you know, Miami in the past maybe had gotten a bad rap for for being only a vacation or a fun spot. Um, and I think, you know, during COVID and we saw an influx of folks from other communities saying, hey, I now can work from home. I, I Maybe my home base can be somewhere else. And they decided to pick up and, and move to Miami. Um, and I think what a, a lot of folks found is that, yes, this is, you know, a high quality of life where you can enjoy your life, but we also get stuff done. Um, and so I think, you know, we've embraced the, the you know, newcomers to, uh, to, Miami and especially the folks in the tech community. And we've worked really hard to host events, you know, to integrate um, new, you know, residents in with people who have lived here and built in the technology scene, you know, for, for the past couple decades. And so I think we're seeing these two groups of people come together in a place that's still young enough, right? I, I look at cities like New York or Boston and, and, you know, those those histories of those places have been um, kind of literally written in stone uh, for, for, you know, since the beginning of uh, the United States of America, really, if you look at Boston and, and such. And Miami, I think, has, you know, we're still kind of an adolescence in our in our growth journey as a city. So so we're malleable and, and people are attracted to coming to a place like this. And being able to make an impact and leave your thumbprint on a place. And, and I think we're seeing this convergence around the opportunity of Web3 and crypto and what that presents, and then the opportunity of a city um, and what that presents. And, the, and those two things coming together here. Um, and, and we're starting to see, you know, real products and um, things that are shifting, um, you know, the way that crypto and Web3 is adopted 
you know, broadly. And so, you know, we've got groups like blockchain.com, um, you know, MoonPay is here, um, one of, which is a music NFT. Um, so, so we're starting to see, yeah, that community be embraced, you know, within Miami and, and grow. Yeah, for sure. That's it's, I love the way you describe it because it's so clear when you're there and you talk to people and the, the passion that they have for it uh, is just very, very, it's exciting. And I can see why it's completely empowering for those of you that are participating in this space. Uh, you talked a little bit about, you know, inclusive approaches to education and, and how, you know, you, the approach to education for this more diverse community is a bit different. Do you find that for community building itself, it's very different? Because whenever I'm in Miami chatting with my, you know, crypto web three folks, it, the, the the importance of community and having those ties together is always something that they refer to. Do you find that there are different approaches to how that community is built or structured or operates? Um, do you find it's different for different genders as well? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I can answer this only in the one gender I've experienced in my mm-hmm. life. But yeah. what I will say is that there are so many female-led community initiatives. Like if I look at my peer group and I look at the other um, organizations that are really in, you know, ecosystem level um, connection points, they're led by women. And and I will say that we're extremely collaborative. You know, we, we have calls with each other when there are big moments in Miami, you know, around Art Basel, for example, or Miami Tech Month, you know, when there's a lot of events like, hey, let's talk about the calendar events. When are you doing this day? Who's your target audience? So that we're thoughtful about, you know, the way we, we sort of launch these initiatives to the community so that we're collaborating with each other and we're not um, either cannibalizing or, or having moments where we're speaking to similar audiences and making them have to choose between one event or the other. So I think that very um, sort of communal collaborative approach is something I've enjoyed about my female counterparts. Um, I would hope that that our, our male colleagues would have a similar approach. I don't know that that's always the case, but but I would say, you know, with the group of women that lead in other community level roles, we definitely um, support and embrace each other's uh, initiatives and events. And actually, I think that's what I credit a lot of the success of the launch of our, you know, Tuttle Tribe NFT in our community was because there were so many other supportive communities that said to their networks, hey, we don't really have a women and, you know, Web3 group. Let's all support this one. Um, and that really came from the other female leadership in in Miami. That is super interesting. I love it. Uh, so last question here, you know, this, let's talk about the future of Web3 equity. What is on the roadmap for the platform and for the community? Yeah. So, you know, this is, I think, the blessing and the curse of so much potential opportunity in Web3. It's literally like, which thing do we choose to do? Um, we are always going to remain consistent with the core in-person offering. But what we find is, you know, with that is can be challenging to scale. Right. Um, and so we're thinking a lot about what are the ways that people can learn in this type of, you know, retention based learning model at scale. So what does this look like, you know, to do virtually and, and to really, you know, um, you know, communicate even beyond our local partners. So that's one piece. And then really building out the male ally 
programming overall. So like structuring that as a really clear course uh, for people to engage with. And then also thinking about um, ways that we are able to showcase the organizations and groups that have been born out of Web3 equity um, at, at an even larger scale. So we have, you know, events coming up during Art Basel that will, uh, usually our events have about 80 to 100 people. And so when we think about larger scale events, those are around, you know, the 500 plus mark. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that in December and we'll also do that again for Women's History Month in March. Uh, so those are, are the things to be on the lookout for uh, in the future with Web3 equity. Fantastic. I'll have to uh, align my next trip to Miami accordingly. Oh, please do. That would be so wonderful. For sure. You know, it's super exciting the stuff you're doing and I, I love to hear it. So very glad we were able to have you with us today, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, for those of you listening, you can check out this podcast and more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more. This has been First Name Basis. Thanks, everyone.